Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and we're teaching this week on the healing lamb. And today we're going to talk about the ways that God heals, methods that God heals. But also we're going to talk about the seven redemptive names of Jesus Christ, the Lord, our healer, Jehovah Rapha. Great stuff today. Let's talk about the healing power of God. And all you need to do is simply open up your heart and receive the healing power of God. Let's go to the word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome back to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. We are continuing today with number four in our series on the healing lamb. We're gonna talk about the ways that God heals, the means that God has of healing today as we talk about God and his many, many methods of bringing divine healing to you. And so like salvation, people say, well, did you really get saved in a church? It really doesn't matter. You explain that to the thief on the cross. Who, If Jesus would have said, listen, if you just find yourself a church and walk down the aisle, his, his feet were nailed, his hands were nailed, he was dying. And it comes back to this, you can nail your hands, you can nail your feet, but you can't nail your faith faith just operates. All he was saying was, put your faith in me, just trust in me, and today you'll be with me in paradise. So it comes back to it again that this people say, well, did you come and kneel at an old-fashioned altar? Well, the point of it is, it's fine if you can. I think that's all right. I think it's great. I was saved at an altar. I came down the front. The pastor's wife led me to the Lord at five years old at vacation Bible school. But the point comes back to it, it's not really where you get and how, it's did you open your heart and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So this again, there's many, many ways and means of divine healing, but it all comes down to one simple thing. Was your heart open and did you receive it? I like what Jesus said to uh, uh, to tell to uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was in prison at the time and really doubting Jesus and and even sent back message to him because those that were there at the window probably of his prison cell, he said, go back and ask him, you know, is he really the one? Is he, I mean, this, he was sent to introduce him. He was the one sent as the forerunner and he had done that. And now he's asking, are you really the one? I mean, God demonstrated, the spirit of God came on him. He saw the Holy Spirit on him. I mean, there were so many things that confirmed it. Now he's watching signs and wonders, but wondering because he's in a position himself. He's really beginning to doubt God. And so Jesus said, you go back. And one of the things he told him was that the blind receive their sight. This is really where healing comes back to it, receive. Key word, why receive? Because it's the same word used for salvation. As many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Salvation is nothing more than you opening up and receiving a gift. That's why I call my book, The Grace of Healing, that I'm teaching out of. The Grace of Healing simply refers to the fact that healing is God's grace reaching out to you and his hand is full of everything that pertains to life and godliness. And faith is your part, and faith is the empty hand reaching up to God to receive from the full hand. So grace has a full hand, faith has an empty hand, but faith just simply reaches out and God will supply for you. And that's why Jesus said, you tell him the blind receive their sight. I simply, I've done this before. A couple, three times I've, I've laid hands on doctors and one of them told me, he said, I have a hard time trusting God. I said, why? He said, because I know why I have this condition. I know all this stuff because I'm a doctor. And that all gets in my way. I said, I said, turn the analytical side of your brain off. Quit trying to analyze 
realize this. Uh, Christians do this all the time. The moment you start to pray for them, they'll think, yeah, but I know five people that we prayed for them and nothing worked. I mean, they'll start thinking of everything and turn off the analytical side of your brain and do this. I don't know why they weren't healed. I can't crawl in their heart. I can't see what the problem was. But just like salvation, it's not God's fault. Salvation is not, I don't, I didn't get saved. Well, it's not God's fault, you know? And on the other hand, when it comes to healing, well, I didn't get healed. The, the healing never manifested itself. Well, that's not God's fault. Apparently there was something in you. But what simply is, if you'll uh, receive the healing, I told this doctor, I said, listen, turn the analytical side of your brain off. Stop trying to figure this out and just open up and receive it. Just receive it. He did that and he was healed of cancer. And he was so close to death at the time. He's lived now, he's still alive today. And I think that's been 15, 16, longer ago than that, years ago that he was healed and uses it as a testimony today. So we have this again, that God heals in so many different methods of laying on of hands, of casting out of devils or, you know, different things that people did, but it still comes back to this. It comes from the grace of God. Today, we're going to take up God's redemptive names. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, here the Lord says, if you will listen diligently to the voice of the Lord, your God, and will do that, which is right in his sight, and will listen to his commandments and guard all his statutes, I will let none of these diseases come upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. You know, it's it's interesting in this verse of scripture. He ends it this way, I'm the Lord who heals you. And he switches in this, in this verse of scripture. I don't know at all. I mean, I just caught this the other day. It says that, that the Lord will do this. The Lord will do this. He says, and I will let none of these diseases come upon you. I think it's interesting here that really the one speaking here is, is Jesus Christ himself, the Lord, but he's also talking about the Father. And he says, listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what he says and, and will listen to him and guard all of his statutes. I will let none of these diseases come upon you. This must be Jesus who actually took the will of God and brought it to us. And he says that I brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. And the Hebrew word here is Jehovah Rapha. The word Lord is the word Jehovah. He's the manifested member of the Godhead. Jehovah is used when we can see him, touch him, understand him. Because until that time, he is the second member of the Godhead. He's there in spirit form. But one day that being, the second member of the Godhead came to this earth and took on a human body. And so we can relate to him. And now he says here in this verse of scripture, he says, I'm the Lord who heals you and Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah is attached to a number of names. All each separate individual ministries of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jehovah is the redemptive title, the redemptive name of Jesus Christ, the redemptive member of the Godhead. The way the Godhead works together, it's more complex than this. I've just boiled it down to it as simple as possible is the three members of the Godhead all have different function. God is the one who creates the plan. Then Jesus Christ, the second member, is the one who executes the plan. And the third member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, is the one who reveals the plan. Now, again, like I said, I'm simplifying this so much that, you know, you can catch this one. And it's much more complex than this, but that's the simple way of looking at it. When it comes to creation, God planned the plan of creation. Jesus Christ executed the plan of creation. We're told that by him, all things were made visible, invisible. That's Jesus Christ himself. And the Holy Spirit is the one who 
revealed it through the word of God, the plan of redemption. God the Father planned it. Jesus Christ went to the cross and executed it. And the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals it, convicts of sin for salvation. This is how the three members of the Godhead work together. But Jesus Christ himself is the redemptive one of the uh, Godhead, the redemptive. He's the one who brought redemption to us. And he's the one that throughout the Old Testament, these different forms of seen of him, like he was the uh, burning bush and uh, he was the, the angel of the Lord. And, and there's so many different symbols for him, the cloud by day, the fire by night that was with Israel all the different symbols of him. And of course, many of those have a title attached to them. There's more than this, but I wanna give you the seven major redemptive titles, seven redemptive names in the Old Testament. Each is given to us through the work of Jesus at Calvary. On the cross, Jesus brought all these different blessings to us. And as he died for us, then he did these things for us. The first one is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there, the Lord is present with us. And Jesus said in the New Testament, the, whole, the Spirit of God who is with you shall be in you. What he's saying is the Lord is there. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you. In fact, the Holy Spirit with us, which is again a work of Jesus Christ, was true in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But in the New Testament, even more things have been added to us, such as the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. We have eternal life. Those things were not given to them back there, but had to be waited till the time Jesus arose from the dead, and then those things could be given to them. So the first one again is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is present, the Lord is there. He said, I am with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The second name is Jehovah Ra'ah. R-A-A-H, and this is the Lord, our shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd. In the New Testament, Jesus declared himself, I am the shepherd of the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. So Jehovah Ra'ah is the Lord, our shepherd. Each one of these titles is once we have received him, then the Lord is always there. The Lord will always be our shepherd. Number three is Jehovah Shalom. This should be pretty much self-explanatory. The Lord, our peace. We find in Romans chapter five in verse, verse one, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. The fourth one is Jehovah Jireh, J-I-R-E-H. That means the Lord, our provider. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But that didn't start in the New Testament. He's always been Israel's provider, the provider for the people of God. And so my God shall supply all your need. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Number five is Jehovah Nissi, N-I-S-S-I, -S -S the Lord our banner. And in the Old Testament, he's our banner. We'd find this again in, uh, in Song of Solomon. He's mentioned as that, but also in the New Testament tells us we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. He is our banner, the one we hold up high and say, listen, the one you come against us, you come against the one who is our banner, the one who fights for us. Number seven is Jehovah Sidkenu. T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U, and it means the Lord, our righteousness. And in the Old Testament, he declared he was their righteousness. But in the New Testament, we talk about the gift of righteousness by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. I saved this one for last. Since we're talking on the Lord as our healer, Jehovah Rapha. 
the Lord, our healer. And in the, in the Old Testament, as well as the New, we talk about the stripes of Jesus, Isaiah 53. He becomes our healer in verse four there. But in the New Testament, it's declared that by his stripes, you were healed. Jesus said, I've taken your infirmities, bore your sicknesses, by my stripes, you're healed. Jesus is still the Lord who is present, He's still the Lord who is our provider. He is still our shepherd. He's still our righteousness. So he must be still our healer. If he gives us righteousness today, as he was their righteousness in the Old Testament, if he provides for us like he did for them, if he was their peace and our peace too, if he's shepherd, it comes right down to the fact he is still our healer. How are people saved in the Old Testament? It wasn't by keeping the law. It wasn't by animal sacrifices. They were saved the same way we are, by simple faith. Abraham had faith in the Lord. It was accounted to him for righteousness. David later on said, happy is the man whom the Lord imputes not his trespasses against him. David was saved by faith. Abraham was before the law. David was during the law. And we come after the law. How are we saved? We are saved by simple faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. How were people healed in the Old Testament? By simply looking to the work of Jesus yet to come and realizing that though he's still many hundreds of years away, his healing is for us today. Because the quoting out of Isaiah 53 was a quote from the Old Testament brought out of the book of Acts, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Matthew quoted it, Jesus quoted it, the Holy Spirit quotes it. I'm quoting it to you today. Jesus Christ is our healer. I will see you right after the break. How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bob Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach. With practical biblical teaching, that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. The ministry that God has given to me is I love seeing people say, but you know what my greatest gratitude comes is when I see their life begin to change outwardly. So many people came to church when I was a pastor and accepted Jesus in the front of the congregation, but to watch them through the weeks, 
begin to just act better, talk better. I mean, the, you know, the foul language begin to leave. The, the family begin to get along together. Kids that hated mom and dad now begin to love them. They love coming to church, love hearing the word of God. Discipling was the thing that really brought the greatest thing to me. That's basically what a pastor is. A pastor works with the sheep of the Lord. Uh, there's two verses I want to point out to you. When Jesus first met Peter, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Fishers of men are evangelists, those that go out to win souls. But the last thing he said to Peter before he went into heaven was he said, feed my sheep. And feed my sheep means now begin to take on the role of a pastor. A pastor's role is yes, to bring them in, but that's what everybody's responsibility is to bring them in. And, and that's the, the work of an evangelist is not only for the pastor, but for every congregational member, because the basic place we win people to the Lord, the, the greatest place we win them to the Lord is not in the church, but outside the church. The bulk of evangelism takes place on the streets. He didn't say go into all the churches and preach the gospel. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so we win them out there and they come with us just like the man at the gate beautiful was healed as Peter and John reached down and lifted him up at the next, the, the next verse says he went walking and leaping and praising God. But the verse doesn't end there. It says he followed them into the temple. That's what we should be doing. Out there winning them to the Lord, laying hands on them, seeing miracle signs and wonders. The ones that couldn't walk and now walk. The ones that weren't saved are now saved. But once we become a fisher of men, now we bring them in to where they can be discipled and we take care of Jesus' sheep. So that's the greatest thing that's on my heart. You know, many of you can say the same thing. Yes, you love winning souls, but there's just something about seeing them when they come to church and they sit in your class that you teach at church or, you're, or where you are on the job and they've asked you to take over maybe a small Bible study at lunch hour, whatever it may be, is that you like to see people begin to grow in the things of God. And you, you love to see the light comes on when you mention a verse of scripture, they go, oh, I see that. I've never seen it. It was right there in front of my eyes. How come I couldn't see it? Because you're used to assist them. That's what you have in you. That's what I have in me. What I'm saying is, there comes a time you realize you're joined to other people's hearts. I want you to become one that stands with me as a partner because inside our hearts, we're joined together. When I mention these things, you go, that's right, that's right, that's right. And you find yourself attached to me more than you do other ministers. Not that they're wrong, they're great, but there's people attached to their heart. There's people that are just missions-minded and all the missions-minded people love to follow after them. But you are one that loves to see people discipled. Would you join me as a partner? Would you join me because our hearts are knit together? The next thing is, you know what? I'm going to join him as a partner. I'd love to have that. Go to my website, bobyandian.com, and just become a partner with me. Whatever you can give. I know you can pray with me each month, but what can you give also? Because listen, God doesn't rain down money out of heaven. He uses you. He gives through the hands of men. And whatever you can give, Praise God. I've got people that began giving this amount, later on went up to this amount, but they started where they could and God began to bless them. Will you do that? Join me together. I'd love to have you join me in the heart, first of all, and next of all, in this outward life by praying for me and also giving into the ministry each month. Thank you in advance. Matthew chapter 11 verses two through five, we have the healing methods that Jesus used. We brought out the names of the Lord in the Old Testament. Now we're talking about the methods of healing found in the word of God. And these keys, each one is a different method to receive God's healing power. Matthew 11, verses two through five, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you him that was to come or do we look for another? This is what I was referring to earlier 
earlier, he's doubting Jesus. Verse four went on to say, Jesus answered them and said, go and show John. Jesus didn't even go. He just said, John knows better than this. I don't need to go and prove it. He'll probably just get into an argument with me. And you show John again those things which you hear and that you see. He said, the blind receive their sight. This is again, the key to it. If you're blind, if you're deaf, if you have a heart problem, the key word here is the same word attached to the word salvation. And that is they received him as their Lord and Savior. As many received him to them, he gave power to become the sons of God. And here he says, when it comes to sickness, the blind receive their sight. The lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Notice it all works together. The gospel and healing work together and the gospel preached to them. And it simply comes back to this. You can receive healing through things that are described in this verse of scripture. Laying on of hands. We're going to talk about two agreeing in prayer. We're going to talk about praying for yourself. We're going to talk about anointing with oil. We're going to talk about communion. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Just to lay these out simply, laying on of hands was first given to the disciples that followed Jesus. And Jesus said, here's how you cast out a devil, lay hands on them. And then you can also lay hands on the sick and see them recover. But also it was given to us after that and that it's part of the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and cast out devils. This is all part of the ministry. And it's not just something that happens in overseas revival meetings, overseas huge uh, meetings that people come and they get saved and they get healed. And many major evangelists, I've known so many of them through the years. T.L. Osborne was such a blessing and such a simple man. And all his teaching was, was the simplicity of salvation. He made it so simple. I used to think that was there the whole time. How could he make it that simple? It's because that was his calling. But as he ministered to thousands and thousands, perhaps millions of people, even at one time, as far as the eye could see, people, as he ministered, they would come running to the front because why? They learned to receive their healing. And there's other times too, whenever he was in a meeting at our church or other place, he would lay hands on people. So again, you may not, don't have to necessarily lay hands on people, but just having people receive by laying on of hands, it won't work on you unless you receive it. We can talk about two agreeing in prayer, but it won't work unless you receive it. And Jesus said, the blind receive their sight. So here's what it is. The first is a laying on of hands. This is a simply a case of, of, of analogy is I lay hands on you. I'm passing to you that healing anointing. It isn't just in me. It came from God through me to you. I become much like, you know, a, a, a plugging a wire in the wall and connecting over here and turning on the toaster. I'm just simply the wire that connects the power from the wall to the toaster over here. I'm the one connecting the power of God in heaven to you who need healing right here. And it comes through me and goes into you. And people have often said, I felt it. Wow, it came in. That's because the power of God is tangible. It can be felt. You ever been in a room where the anointing was? I mean, it's almost like, whoa, the hair stands up on the back of your neck. Praise, worship, the, the, just the tension of the room, someone preaching and the anointing of God falls in them. You can feel it in the room. Well, the laying on of hands does this too. It's the passing on of the healing anointing to someone that you're praying for. I don't think the Bible says you have to even be necessarily led as to what to do at the time. You can lay hands on people because you want to. Maybe the Holy Spirit will tell you to lay hands on them, but it can also come by two agreeing in prayer. And this is what the word of God says. If two shall agree on earth as touching anything, anything includes healing. 
And so if touching anything, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. What does it mean to agreeing in prayer? Well, I don't want to pray for you to be healed and you're not quite sure you are, but yet I ask you, are you agreeing? You go, yeah, 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 I am. But you've got all these doubts and stuff on the inside of you. No, it's two people on the same path, two people on the same wavelength. And the wavelength here is I am agreeing for my healing. And the Bible just says, two shall agree on earth, it shall be done. And the word agreeing is the word symphoneo in the Greek. And it means like a symphony, where we get that word from. Symphony is you may play the oboe and somebody else over here is on a violin and all that, but yet it all comes together. You may be somebody, you know, you may pour concrete and this guy over here owns a bank or something, you know, and it all comes back to that. That's not what God's simply saying. He's saying, listen, come from different walks of life and things like this. But one thing you are agreeing together, forming a symphony together, and that is you're symphonizing around the word. You're going to be healed to agreeing. If two shall agree on earth, as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. This is a great thing to do, having a prayer partner to what somebody you know, you know their heart, they know your heart. And a lot of things can be accomplished because it says two shall agree on earth as touching anything. Doesn't have to be a healing in you or a healing in me or healing for somebody else. It could be for a hunger in your city that you see it there. Father, we're praying in agreement together that you're gonna send somebody. We're gonna do our part and witness to people, but there's somebody out there that has the, the, the message to come to this town and preach it. And we see that revival beginning in our city. The third one is praying for yourself. It could be a position where you don't, you know, nobody's around you, but you can pray for yourself. You simply find the scripture, stand on it and receive your healing or receive whatever need you have. And this is again, praying for yourself. And this is found in the word of God also. The scriptures are given to you that you can pray because you may not have anybody around. You may not be close enough to the church to come and get prayed for, of which the next one is anointing with oil. This is again, James chapter five. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. The anointing with oil, oil represents the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, who is the one who brings the healing power down and puts it into you and sees the healing power of God come. So anointing with oil represents the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no, there's no healing power in oil. And it doesn't matter what type of oil it is. People in our church used to complain, is this really olive? It should be olive oil. Well, there's nothing in the Bible that says it. And I'm sure they did use olive oil. But man, if all you have is some motor oil, just use it, you know? And as the word of God is saying right here, just anoint with oil in the name. And the oil represents the power of God. I remember when Oral Roberts used to have people lay hands on it. Just lay your hands on your television. Oh, gripes and complaints went out everywhere. You know, oh, we can't do that. No, no, yes, you can. The point of it is, is the Bible just talks about, you know, receiving. So if you use the television set as your point of contact, when he says, right now I'm praying, right now you just lay your hand on your television set. You say, well, that's not very spiritual. It doesn't have to be. It's really the symbolism of what it's saying. Let's get together the same way at the same time. And we can do that by you touching the television set. Then there's communion service. There's healing in the communion service. When you eat of that bread, it represents the broken body of Jesus. The cup represents his blood for salvation. But again, both represent the cross of Jesus Christ. That communion right there, you can get blessed and healed by understanding what the bread speaks for. It's the broken body of Jesus. And the last thing here I'm speaking on is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I've been in church services where there's those who are the, the evangelists and they operate in working of miracles and gifts of healings. 
And you know they, they might have a word of wisdom, word of knowledge to go along with that. But there's those supernatural times when you have somebody called and anointed in your church service, take advantage of it and just reach out by faith and receive. I remember one woman that came one time and she was anointed in this. She used to say this, I'm praying for people up here, they're getting healed. Don't sit back there and feel left out. You just treat this like peanut butter, she said. And you just say, Lord, I'm just, just moving it back here to this side of the bread. I'm moving it back here to this side of the church service and I'm going to receive the blessing you're pouring out out there. And you know what? It worked. It worked. Thank God for those who operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Tomorrow, we'll be right back teaching you again on the healing lamb of Jesus Christ. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.